0: Ninth Story Studios, giving Story a voice. Welcome to the lift. Get ready to take a ride.
1: Hello, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 12 of Victoria's Lift. I'm Daniel Foytek, and I thank you for listening. I'm excited to have you along for another ride with Victoria. We hope you're all safe, healthy, and taking care of each other with kindness this holiday season, and of course, into the new year. 2021 will begin a new chapter for all of us, as well as for Victoria and her ongoing adventures. We'll be bringing back some recurring characters and reveal more about Victoria, her history, and dive into some deeper, overarching plots. We're excited to return to regular monthly episodes and have a big new season planned out for you. As always, before we get started today, a big thank you to those who are supporting the show. Without you, this show would not be possible. On behalf of our authors and everyone else involved in making the show, a sincere thank you for your support of this show and, of course, of independent horror fiction. If you're not already supporting the show, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Lift. Thank you to those who took the time to rate us five stars and write a short review for us on iTunes. Your ratings do help others find the show. And of course we love hearing from you. In fact, starting next month, Victoria will begin reading some of her favorite reviews on the show. So get your own five-star review in now for a chance to have Victoria say hello to you and share your review with our listeners. Victoria wanted me to remind you that our first written anthology, The Lift Nine Stories of Transformation is available for you to own. The book features beautiful cover art and illustrations by Jeanette Andromeda, and it's a fantastic collection. We know you'll want to add all nine stories contained within to your own building. Get yours now at victoriaslift.com forward slash read. Today's episode is part two of three of our first multi-episode story and features a story written by me. Bringing the story to life are Graham Rowett, Erica Sanderson, Pierce O'Byrne, and of course Amber Collins as our girl Victoria. The cover art for today's episode was also done by Amber Collins. The tale is accompanied by a custom score written by our resident composer, Nico Vitesse, of We Talk of Dreams. And, just so you know, Part 3 is fully written and will arrive in late January. If you enjoy the story, you can find more of my work here and on Amazon. Now, hold on tight, and let's go for a dark ride on Victoria's Lift.
0: I have lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. Will you accept your fate or change? I have my music box and a library lost. But I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? Time for your ride on the lift.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't be afraid.
2: No! Victoria writhed as the piper played. Translucent tendrils of dark energy radiated from her in too many directions to count, disappearing into the darkness of the cavern. They pulsed with energy and flowed through the girl to the piper.
0: Stop it! You're hurting her!
2: The piper ignored Jeremy's pleas and continued to play. His eyes closed as he absorbed the energy. Yes. Ah, you're
3: connected to so many winds, so many possible futures. I've never felt anything like this.
2: Delicious.
0: Please! No! You have to stop!
2: The piper played on as if Jeremy hadn't spoken. Jeremy looked around for something he could throw at the evil man, and his eyes fell upon a large black rock about the size of a baseball that glittered wetly outside his cage. He dropped to his hands and knees and reached for it, but his fingers fell a marble's width away. He twisted and stretched, reaching farther, but his fingertips only slid along the watery surface. He grunted and pressed harder against the metal bars, his face stretching tight between them. If only his head fit through, but then he would have escaped long ago. Turning his head away would give him a better angle, but then he couldn't see. Victoria's moaning cry prompted him to turn his head and press so hard against the cage he hoped his ear wouldn't rip off. Only bare, gritty earth met his hand, so he adjusted and brought it down again. More rough dirt. It would be easier to sweep back and forth, but that could send the rock out of reach. One more time, he raised his arm, picturing the rock and where it should be. His hand came down on its hard, damp surface, and he squeezed his fingers to grip it and pull it in. Clenching it, he stood. He tested the weight, took aim, wound up, and threw.
3: No! What have you done, you wicked child? Our own, okay? Where are you? I can feel it. You're in pain. Hold on, my love.
2: I'll find you. The piper dropped to his knees and began pawing around the cave floor for his flute. I swear, child, if you've harmed her,
3: there will be no end to your torment.
2: We'll tear every last bit
3: of energy from your useless husk and leave you lingering on the brink of death for all eternity. Ah,
2: there you are. The man cradled the flute in his hands, slowly and carefully searching for the damage he too felt.
3: You've cracked her. She's wounded. You've.
2: The piper glared at Jeremy, then rushed toward him, grabbing for him through the bars of Jeremy's enclosure. But Jeremy was small and quick. He jumped out of the man's reach. I'll be back to deal
3: with you once I tend to my dear fruit. Use that time to contemplate how
2: horrible your torment will be when we return. Jeremy shivered as the evil man exited the cave. Then turned his attention back to the girl, who laid crumpled and motionless. The piper hunched over his workbench, examining the chips and cracks of the boy's ruthless attack under a magnifying glass. He cared for the flute lovingly over the centuries, keeping her clean, fixing scratches and cracks with resins and shavings of wood taken from scraps the maker had left behind in his workshop. Precious little of this wood remained, and never had he tried to repair damage so severe. The flute was ancient, and the impact of the rock and subsequent fall cracked her nearly a quarter of her length. Small splinters jutted out, and at least one fragment had broken away.
3: Oh, dear one, I'm so sorry you've been wounded, so I will make you whole again. And then... Then we will make the Drochlannath pay for what he's done."
2: The piper wondered if he could indeed make her whole once more, or if the damage was simply too severe. For her to sing again, he must preserve as much of her original wood as possible. Every stroke the maker had made when he carved her had purpose, and any change might mean she'd never speak the same way again. He sighed deeply and set to work using delicate tools and what little remained of special glues and resins that only the maker had known how to formulate. Victoria stirred. She was cold, and the hard ground hurt her hip and shoulder. She wasn't used to these sensations. She brought her hands up and was shocked by the sight of scrapes and dried blood. Despite the pain and confusion... She had the odd sense of elation when she realized she was fully solid and human. She took a deep breath and sat up. Are you okay? Victoria looked at her dress, which was muddy and torn in a few spots. Tendrils of energy, too many to count, flowed out of her, writhing and pulsing. They stretched into the darkness. She passed her hand through them experimentally. They had no substance, but she felt a faint tingle as her hand moved through them. Victoria stood and grabbed a bar of her cage as a wave of dizziness and disorientation overtook her. The
0: piper... where is he? He's gone off somewhere. I threw a rock at him in his flute. I think it might have broken You did what? I threw a rock at him to make him stop hurting you. I appreciate the help, but I'm not certain that was wise. If you've broken his flute, or damaged it, you've made a dangerous enemy. Who is he? He's the Piper of Hamelin. Who? You've heard of the Pied Piper. Most children have. The one who led the rats away with his flute? (laughs) That's just a story. Most stories are based on some truth. In this case, the reality is far worse than the tale. His flute isn't just a flute. It looks like a flute, and it plays like a flute, but it's something much more powerful. I don't get it. It's quite a long story, and while I do absolutely love telling stories, I feel too drained and exhausted to tell them properly. The important part is, the same craftsman who made his flute also made my music box. Hmm, my music box has told me about her sisters before. We've even met one of them owned by a man named Boba Soro. This one. The flute is named Windsong. She can open doorways to other places and times. And lure those who hear her voice. She's also quite mad. But what... What is a flute mad about? <laughs> Not mad angry. Mad insane. Like the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. ...but in a much more dangerous way. So what do we do? Can you use your music box to get us out of here? No, I came here without her. I had to leave her behind to protect the little girl whose place I took. There is a way to get you all home, though. I know there is. There must be. I wish there was.
2: Victoria surveyed the cavern and looked at the children. There were so many of them. Lost. Confused. Ripped from their parents and families and tossed in cages. They were from so many places, so many different times. All pulled together into this horrible place by a man who didn't care at all about them. Aside from them being a source of nourishment. These creatures will have to be
0: dealt with too eventually. Creatures? Those horrible things that look like trees and flowers, lining the paths of the cave. Oh. They make the pipe as evil possible. Supporting him, keeping us and the other children docile. Whispering to us to lead us to this awful cave. I understand what they are now, but that's a separate matter. The priority now is getting you all home where you
2: belong. Without her music box, though, that would be no simple task. She looked at the tendrils attached to herself, watching as pulses of energy flowed into her. It dawned on her what these strange, ethereal tendrils were. Victoria studied Jeremy. Yes, she had initially missed the razor-thin and nearly transparent tendril that ran from the top of his head into the vast darkness. And the other children had them, too. Every one of them. But, unlike the children, who were only connected to one time, one place, and one possible future, she was connected to many. Every time she used her lift to cross into another time, place, or possible reality, she left an impression there, a connection back to her original timeline.
0: So that's what he's doing. He's feeding on us, all of us. He's drawing life force from our possible future. I know how to get you out of here, Jeremy. I can send you all home. That is, of course, as long as the flute still works.
2: The piper moved quickly, his footsteps falling swiftly along the pathway on his way back to the cave. He would make the boy pay for what he had done. But first, he would feed and share what he collected from the special girl with the flute to repair the rest of the damage. The trees and flowers leaned close as he passed, their hunger palpable.
3: Soon, friends. Soon you'll have more to feast on than you ever imagined.
2: He played. Even before he entered the cavern this time, his fingers coaxing the song from Auran Nagihe, her voice hesitated ever so slightly, and her song had a near imperceptible difference that he alone could discern. He played faster, determined to fix her, to make her whole again. The mouth of the cave yawned wide as he rounded the final curve in the path, and he stepped inside without pause, the shadows falling upon him. The children pressed to the backs of their cages as he moved deeper into the grotto and toward the pen that held the guide.
0: He's coming. Be calm. He's coming for me first.
2: The song of the flute grew louder. Victoria moved to the door of her prison and waited for the piper to appear. She took a deep breath to settle the fear rising within her. It wasn't an emotion she had felt often over the last few centuries and she wrestled to control it.
0: Easy. You can do this. Deep breaths. I can do this.
2: The piper stopped in front of her cage and stared at her for a few moments.
0: We're not afraid of
2: you. The piper narrowed his eyes, but didn't turn. That
3: is most unwise, boy. But I'll deal with you soon enough. Right now, I have some unfinished business with Miss Victoria. Isn't that right, lass?
0: If this is my fate, then so be it. Today, this will end, one way or another. As I have endeavoured to tell so many others throughout the years, we are the choices we make. I choose to stand against you and all that you represent. The world would be better without you wielding the power you hold. So I will take it from you.
2: (laughs) That's cute. Okay, here we go. The piper played. But Victoria was ready this time. Electric fire burned across her flesh. Thousands of tiny tendrils drilled into her and pulled the energy from every moment of her long life. Victoria closed her eyes against the torment and let it come. The energy in her built faster than the piper could drain it. She was inside her every moment, and each one burned within her until she was green fire. The pain burned away, and she was finally in control. She was her past, and she was her future. She was every choice she made, and every choice she helped others to make. She was alive, and she was the void. Inside it all were a thousand fragmented notes from a thousand points in time. Each moment flowed to her, bringing with it a single note from her music box. Every time her music box played an extra, out-of-place note, she assumed it was an errant ping due to the age of her dear companion. But as time fell away, she understood each note was a deliberate choice. Together... The thousands of wayward notes became a symphony. The piper's flute fell silent.
3: What are you doing?
0: What is that song? Oh no, don't stop now. Here, let me help you play.
2: Victoria pulled on the connection the piper had created between them and guided his fingers making the flute sing the same song as her music box. The flute really wasn't so different from her music box. Immensely powerful, but unlike her music box, this key was twisted and not at all sane. She spoke to it. She reasoned with it. Victoria was no stranger to madness. Her own mother, so many of her visitors, the Tin Heart. Somewhere within its darkness, she found the spark of what it once was and they connected, then came to an agreement. The melody changed. Victoria's own scattered moments of time brushed up against those of the caged children and overlapped them. As they did, the children vanished one by one. Each child returned to the moment when they had been stolen, all their possibilities restored, until only Jeremy remained. She turned to him and smiled.
0: Be safe. I have a special future waiting for you. Goodbye. Wait, what about you?
2: And then he was gone, safe in his bed, where he belonged. With all the children home, she turned her attention back to the piper and his mad flute.
0: I'm afraid you're too dangerous to be allowed to remain together.
3: No, no, I refuse to let you take her from me. You may think you've won, but you haven't.
2: The Piper managed to wrestle control away from the girl in that final moment and play nine notes. But nine notes were enough. The flute flew apart, exploding in every direction and tossing Victoria head over heels into the bars of her cage.
0: by writing a short review of the show in iTunes and leaving me some gold stars it helps others to find their way here too I like gold stars can I have lots pretty please leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com